how's everybody doing today? Hope everybody is doing well. This is Coach Cookie, your life and relationship coach. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Rising Higher. Here we just do some chit chat about life, relationships, and I'll give you some snippets for success for your everyday life, how to not only survive, but to thrive. In today's video, I want to share my mental health journey. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know when, but I was motivated to share my story of my mental health journey after listening to Tamar Braxton's story on uh, Taraji Henson's show in December 2020. So I'm going to do that today in this episode. But before we get into that, let's talk about the high points from last week's video. So last week we talked about safety tips before leaving a toxic relationship. The points from that video is prior to developing your exit plan is to make sure your thoughts are rational and not emotional. Trust no one but yourself and accept that you want better and it's time to move on. If you want to hear the full episode, it's called Tips Before Leaving a Toxic Relationship. Today on Cookie's Commentary, I want to talk about getting assistance with your medical bills. This is pretty much focusing on if you need assistance with your medical bills when you don't have insurance. But the first thing I want to tell you is not to get stressed out. Most important thing is to be with your loved ones while they're in the hospital. Don't worry about the medical bills. Focus on your family. For example, if your wife is in the hospital after giving birth to the baby and both the mother and the baby had to stay in the hospital due to complications, this is not a good time to worry about the bills. This is when you want to worry about your family and your family getting healthy. After the wife and the baby get home, maybe it's been about six months and you collected all the bills and they come to about $250,000. If you know in reality in real that especially with this pandemic going on right now and you know you don't have any options for a payment plan. This is what you're going to do. You're going to contact the hospital financial aid office. For everyone that doesn't know this, but the law requires hospitals to offer a financial aid program. If you fall below the poverty line, your bill can be reduced or forgiven. If this doesn't work and the financial aid office refuses to work with you, then you can con then you contact the doctor. You're going to contact that doctor that actually provided the services in the hospital. So like the the doctor that delivered your 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 baby, the doctor that worked with your wife, you're going to contact that doctor. Then you're going to contact uh, the hospital chief financial officer and you're going to contact the administrator. You're going to set up a meeting. Of course, you're going to be polite and tell them that you appreciate what they've done for you and that your wife and the newborn baby are great and they're doing fine. But you don't have the money to pay the bill and the financial aid office didn't work with you and give you a plan to help you out. Trust me. The problem will be resolved when these three people get involved because they're not going to want a report to come out about the hospital having a bad reputation of not being helpful for their for their patients. And another thing is to remember is that it's a good idea to go to the hospital in your area in advance before a medical emergency comes up and fill out a financial assistance form. That way, when it gets to the point where you get where you where you get where you need medical attention from the hospital, you'll already be on file to receive financial assistance. Okay. So this is something that you're struggling with and you need tips. You need a, a little bit more tips on um, how to pay your medical bills. 
Let's talk about it. Contact me, heycoachcookie at gmail.com. I would love to hear your comments and other ideas on how to handle your medical bills uh, when you don't have medical insurance. Everyone that needs help with this, I'm sure they would appreciate to hear anything that you would have to offer. Okay. Now we're on the, my favorite part of the show, keeping it real. This is the part of the show where you ask me questions about a topic and I will answer the question. So today on keeping it real, I got a question from Pamela. Pamela says, hey, Coach Cookie, why does it seem like I always end up being the side chick? <laughs> wow. Okay, this could be from a few factors, but a big one is due to you having low self-esteem issues. So you attract men that reflect how you feel about yourself. These men will abuse you, take advantage of you in any way that they can. When you work on yourself and build your self-esteem, the quality of men that will attract you will change. Remember, most men who attract women with low self-esteem don't feel comfortable around confident women. So girlfriend, it's time to work on building up your self-esteem so you can stop attracting these men. You may want to check out my episode entitled How We End Up in Toxic Relationships and How We Break the Cycle. This will really help you get started with building your self-esteem. Now we're going to deal with the big pink elephant in the room and we're going to get to the main topic for today. I listened to Tamar Braxton's story and the comment that she made in December 2020 on Taraji B. Henson's show. She wanted to give up on life and hurt herself because she thought her son deserved better and she was embarrassing him in public and on television. Of course, I know there are a lot of other things that have been going on in our society as it pertains to individuals suffering from mental health because of a lot of things that people are going through and struggling through this pandemic. But Tamar Braxton's comment triggered something deep inside of me to tell my story. This truly gives me the opportunity to, to be a voice for individuals who have been through or you may be going through some mental health issues right now. A lot of times individuals who have been through a mental health crisis, they really don't understand what it's like, and it makes it difficult for the person that is really going through to have someone to talk to. So I want to be able to tell my story and at the same time, let people know that I understand what you're going through and I'm here to help if you need that help. So let me tell you a little bit about my journey with mental health as a pastor's wife and an evangelist. I left home at 18 years old in the fall of 1983 to attend college at Lake University in Jefferson City, Missouri. Um, a lot of my friends that I had in college would go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and would invite me to go with them. I wasn't raised in church, but I do remember going to church with various family members while I was coming up. I never was really a follower uh, and I had a lot of questions about what was going on in the church and why were we doing certain things. For example, if I went to a Catholic church, I wanted to know why are we bound down to, to Mary. She's a statue. It's a statue of Mary. Why are we bound down to her? Nobody could really answer questions that I would have. So a few years prior to starting college, I started studying in very detailed, various denominations. You name it, I studied it. And I studied to the point where I could explain to you what was in the word of God and what was in the other books that denominations had in addition to the word of God. So after much studying, I got saved and I was baptized at the age of 19 at a Pentecostal revival. 
Little did I know, but at the time of this revival, the man that preached in the revival would be my husband. I got called to the ministry at a very young age and not long after that, I got married. Both my husband and I would teach and preach abroad as evangelists. This was in the mid 80s. And at that time, we would have a broadcast on the radio and on television that would announce that we were coming to their city. Our house phone would blow up all the day from people out of town asking if it was true and if we were coming to their city. When we would finally arrive at that city, there were so many people who would come to see us that there was not enough room for everybody to get in the church. And they would sit out on the sidewalk, on the sidewalk in lawn chairs and the grass or on the rooftop to hear the word of God. When I got pregnant with my first child, my husband no longer felt it was his calling to travel and evangelize. He wanted us to be a part of a church. I noticed that this wasn't easy for him. He bumped heads with pastors and leaders of the church. He would tell them what was wrong with their church and what they would need to do to improve their church. He felt like there was no church that existed that was living right according to the ways of God and the word of God. So he decided that he was going to start his own church. In in addition to teaching Sunday school at my husband's church, I still traveled to do various churches Uh, to various churches to do seminars and classes. It was during this time that I really stopped to pay attention and noticed that my husband was really self-absorbed and it was all about himself. At home, I was going through the emotional and psychological abuse and for some reason, I couldn't do anything right. He made going to college very difficult for me. He would tell me things like uh, getting a law degree wasn't for women. He didn't want me to study at the university library with my classmates. He wanted me to travel 45 minutes away to a little country town library. Now, I realized that this was all because, one, he was jealous of me trying to do better for myself and thought I would meet another man in college, so that was a threat to him. And two, he didn't want me to succeed and finish my education. So he tried everything he could to keep that from happening. 20 months after I gave birth to my first child, I had a second child that was a son. When my son was six weeks old, I graduated from college with a degree in criminal law, psychology, and in secondary and adult education. Immediately after graduating from college, I decided that I wanted to stay home to be a mother with my children for a little while before getting in the work field. I still would travel to local churches and groups to teach or do seminars. At home, I noticed that my husband was rarely at home with us. He would tell me that he was working in the church. Eventually, after so many years of being married, I found out that His work in the church consisted of having various relationships with women in and out of church. In addition to his emotional and psychological abuse, he never provided for me or my children. And if I wanted anything, I would have to get it on my own. Instead of being at home with my small children, I had to get out and work immediately after I graduated from college. My first teaching job was in a level five all-men penitentiary, and I really liked that job. That was my first teaching job. I went through this period of depression that was so bad, I hated being at home on the weekends. I would rather be at work. I couldn't handle being in the same city after so long, along with all the drama he had going on in the church. So I told him I was leaving to get a break for a while and wanted to know what it was like to have a job in a large city. So I packed my things and my children, and we moved to Kansas City, Missouri. In reality, I was leaving him and wasn't going to return unless he made some serious changes. I left the relationship thinking 
He was going to get himself together, but he never did. It got worse. He would come visit me and my kids with various women in an attempt to make me jealous, but that didn't work. He used the kids and told me that they didn't want to live with me and they wanted to live with him. I told him I wasn't going to argue about the kids, and if the kids wanted to be with him, to come and get them. He did. He came and he got them. But deep down inside, I knew he didn't want the kids. He was just saying that because he wanted to use that to get me back, but it didn't work. Three months after the kids were with him, they came back to me. He asked me to come back several times, but I told him I refused to come back until there was some serious changes. So not very long after his last, I want you to come back speech, he ended up getting another woman pregnant. Now remember, he was a pastor of a church, so he had to keep up with his reputation of being a decent man. So not long after he got his this woman pregnant, he sent me divorce papers in the mail to divorce him. Oh my God, this is when I lost it. This is when my life spiraled downhill and I had a severe breakdown. I slipped into a severe depression. You know that depression where you just like you go through the motions and you don't get out of bed. You don't know the time. You don't know the day of the week. And basically you really didn't care. I missed my appointments for various church groups and organizations. I lost interest in things that I usually love to do. I was always a big fashion diva, but my appearance was not the same. At this time, I was teaching at high school with the Kansas City School District. And when I went to work, I felt like I was just going through the motions and everything was a big blur. My son at the time was in the second grade and he told his teacher and the principal of his school that I was really sick and that someone needs to come by to check on me. And they came by to check on me. And the principal asked me if the doctor gave me a depression medication. And I told him that he did, but I was too afraid to take it. The principal kind of broke it down to me and said that the medications have to make you feel better than what you're going through right now. You have to think about your children and you have to be in a condition to take care of your children. I agreed. I was afraid, but I started taking my psych medications immediately. The day after that visit, my son came to my bedroom and I remember laying in the bed like a zombie. He kissed me on my cheek before catching the bus to school and he told me, Hey mom, it can't be that bad. It's going to get better. I just remember tears rolling down my face and I got up out of nowhere and said, Oh my God, I have two children to raise. Snap out of it. Well, I got up. I started doing everything, cooking, cleaning, doing the laundry, going grocery shopping, taking the kids to their school events, having their friends come over and everything. But my demeanor was totally different. First, I went out, purchased three guns. I had one gun in my purse, one in my car, and one in my house. I dressed like a street walker. I was in the grocery store with an 8-year-old and 10-year-old walking around in a thong bikini and a see-through negligee and hooker heels. The really sad part about it all was I was completely numb to what I was doing. I was not connected with my feelings or what was right, what was wrong, and whatever I decided to do, it didn't feel embarrassing and it didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. This is when the mental breakdown went to a completely, totally different level and I was completely gone. I got angry very easily. I withdrew from family and friends and out of nowhere, I would just start crying like all the time. I wasn't, I was there for my children, but I wasn't really there for them the way I really should have been due to my mental state. You know, like if they came to try to talk to me or something like that or have a conversation with me, I would just start breaking down and start crying. Clearly, it wasn't a perfect situation for them, but through all of that, you know, 
they told me that I did the best that I could and that they love me no matter what. Until this very day, me and my kids are very close. In addition to what I was going through with my children, I wasn't able to mentally function in order to teach in various churches or organization. I'm not sure why, but there was no one in the church to help me. Out of all the people, lives that I touch, all the people I taught, all the people I planted a seed to get them in church, all the people I prayed for, no one there was there for me. It's like they missed it and they didn't realize that I needed them. I don't know if they were just embarrassed. So as a result, the stress added on due to the fact that I was really hurt by the church. Yes, me. I came from being a world-known evangelist in the church, but I snapped. Yeah, I know. I got a degree in criminal law, psychology. I have a teaching certificate in adult and secondary education, but guess what? I snapped. I've had my own businesses. I was a private investigator. I had other businesses. I owned my own daycare for mentally challenged children and other children. But guess what? I snapped. How could that have happened? It seemed like I had everything going for me, but I snapped. I had a mental breakdown. I'm saying all this to say that it may look like someone has everything going on in their lives and they are on top of the world, but deep down inside, they're going through hell and you would never know it. You would never know what would take somebody over the edge. Just because it looks like the perfect life doesn't mean that it is. When you see people that may look different and dress inappropriately, don't judge these people because you do not know what they've been through. I'm sure that there is a story behind the madness. It's important to remember that everyone handles mental health issues different. So each situation may look or sound different. I'd like to make a special shout out to my girl Tamar Braxton, to all my parents, to let you know that whatever you have to offer your child, they're happy because it is you that is offering it to them. I'm here to tell you, your children are going to love you no matter what. Once you recognize that you're having a hard time dealing and coping with life, it's not too late to get you and your child some help. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, put your head up high, and look to God for strength. Everyone under the sound of my voice who is depressed and is going through mental health, a mental health issue, if no one has told you today, I love you. If you feel like you need help, please seek help. And remember, there is nothing wrong with it if you decide you need to get help. All it means is that you need someone to talk to who will be able to provide you with a different view to help you make sense out of your thought process. If you're on edge and you need someone to talk to, start to pull all the pieces together. Get in contact with me hey, at heycoachcookie at gmail.com to find out if you can benefit from coaching. Remember, the first 30 minutes are free. My inbox is always open. Feel free to connect with me online, Facebook, Instagram, at, high, at Rising Higher Podcast. To all my listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Also, I want to be able to bring content that meets your needs. So if you have questions that you would like for me to answer or if you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss over video, please let me know. This is Coach Cookie reminding you to love yourself first as we rise higher together. Talk to you soon.